Welcome, everybody, to the Live from Tomorrow podcast. I am your host, Matt Hooper. Each week, we weave together guest interviews with comedic segments to bring tomorrow vividly to life, offering a bold, humorous perspective on what's next across business, technology, politics, and entertainment. Now, obviously, we talk a lot about innovation on this show. It's why the show exists. But there is a specific kind of innovator we have yet to really profile. We've talked to an array of business leaders who have tomorrow very much on their minds, but none of them are specifically tasked with the complicated, Sisyphean work of innovating from inside a large corporation. And that changes with today's guest, with today's whole episode, in fact, which is devoted to the theme of corporate innovation. See, I used to be a corporate innovator, or I'm a recovering corporate innovator, I guess I should say. And to this day, I still work with some of the largest companies in the world, except now they're my clients. I'm no longer on the inside. And for all the red tape and all the bureaucracy, for all the headaches and the setbacks, if you can innovate from within, you can achieve something really and truly significant. Because, let's face it, the size of a giant corporation allows you to scale your innovation in much the same way that the size of a giant corporation can also feel so creatively stifling. I'd like to tell you about something that happened just the other day, uh, now that I'm on the outside, but using my knowledge of the inside. <laughs> I was on a Zoom call, what else is new, and I had the opportunity to join a consultation where I could work alongside my significant other while she was on the job. All right, everyone, it's good to see you, virtually see you, I mean. Uh, my name is Sally Skalski, and I'm the founder of Skalski Solutions. Not to be confused with Skalski Coal, my family's business down in West Virginia. We are not, just definitely not associated with that. We're an HR platform based around an ever-evolving questionnaire, learning as much as we can from customers like you so that managers and senior executives at all sorts of businesses can begin to incorporate your needs into their company cultures. That's right, Sally. Thank you, Matt. Uh, and in keeping with best HR practices, I should disclose up top that Matt and I are married. But that's not how I got the job. <laughs> I didn't, uh, am I on mute? Nope. Are you sure? Nobody's laughing. You are not on mute. Uh, so we received a note from one of your colleagues, uh, Joanne Watchmore, I think, who thought that based on your responses to our questionnaire, you could all stand to benefit from an innovation consultation with a particular emphasis on corporate innovation and entrepreneurship. Which is an area I am extremely passionate about. Now, what do companies like Kodak and Blockbuster have in common? They didn't innovate in time, and they were destroyed by the forward march of new disruptive technologies. And then I saw someone type a question in the chat, and... Lo and behold, it was Joanne Watchmore. She was who reached out to us in the first place, right? And so I asked if she wanted to read her question out loud. You know, it's good to be interactive. Oh, uh, me? Wow. Oh, uh, boy, howdy. Sure thing, if, if that's all right. Oh, absolutely, Joanne. We want to hear from you. That's why we're here. Oh, okay. Well, um, firstly, let me just say... Thank you for agreeing to come talk to us, you two. I, I know, Sally, that your family's company is in the coal industry, and given that we here at CGL are passionate about the environment, I really appreciate oh. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I never actually worked with my family. Coal miner's daughter, but never coal miner myself. Oh, okay, good. Good, good, good. And, oh, hey, no judgment. I don't. It would never have occurred to me to think you were judging me, so. Okay, good. Okay, very good. Honestly, it felt like Joanne wanted to start some shit. 
Joanne was a brawler. I could feel it through the screen. And secondly, oh, I'd like to thank my colleagues Glenn and Harry for being just the greatest two fellas an old gal like me could hope to work alongside. <laughs> I'm sure they have questions too, and they are very kindly ceding the floor to me on this Zoom. <clears throat> thank you, Joanne. Such a blessing to be here with you today. Sending a lot of gratitude over to you in Chicago. I'm sure Harry does too. Indeed. Harry sends gratitude as well from down here in Baltimore. Harry appreciates you, Joanne, in your human form. I decided it was weird when the dude started talking about himself in the third person. Okay, I love what I'm seeing here. All this gratitude flying back and forth. Hey, we may be separated by a pandemic, but we can still come together if we all share a purpose, right? Oh, ah. Glenn, Harry, do I have permission to answer a direct question from an outsider? Okay, let's let's make this a safe space to just go ahead and ask whatever's on our mind, okay? No need to ask permission. Uh, so actually, outsider, I'm sorry, Miss Outsider... Um, Joanne is doing what is required of her as a level three MAH, immortal alive human. Harry and I outrank her. Well, I outrank both of them, which is why I am permitted to speak in the first person. Harry is working his way up the chain of command for such privileges. Harry misses use of the first person. Sorry, what does CGL do again? I should have probably done some more research beforehand. Yeah, you should have, but it's okay. It's all right. Um... So you haven't read Ecumenatives yet, uh, Potentate Clifford's first book, okay? So I'm not surprised that you're so ill-prepared. Interesting. <laughs> Hang on. Um, we're actually just going to mute ourselves for one second. Matt, I think this is a cult. Here, look at their website. CGL is in the service industry. We provide a whole host of services. Yep, that means nothing. Big time cult. We should probably unmute ourselves and leave. Yeah, I don't know. I want to hear Joanne's question. What? I think she might be onto something. And the way she just came out and confronted me for my family's work in the coal industry. I like her vibe. Hi, folks. Sorry about that. We just needed to chat amongst ourselves for a moment. Not a problem, Sally. We too practice telepathy. Joanne, what's your question? Okay, well, about two years back when I first retired, I, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with myself. You know, I couldn't just sit around the house and mope. I needed to be useful. Around this same time, I started receiving these pamphlets in the mail all about the coming arrival of Goxicom, an alien warlord. Hail, Goxicom. Hail, Goxicom. Yeah, that happened. And while I didn't quite believe it at first, I, I thought about the sort of folks who would believe in this stuff. And so I started to attend some meetings and it occurred to me, what if all this, oh, fantastic energy, all this enthusiasm for the end of the world at the hands of a bloodthirsty extraterrestrial invader, well, what if we took that and used it to achieve positive change out in the real world? And that, that struck me as a real entrepreneurial opportunity, you know, a chance to innovate from within an organization. And before long, I managed to convince Glenn, Harry, and a few dozen other followers to start phone banking and volunteering for the Democratic Party, make sure we turned out the vote in, uh, let's see, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania this year. That's... Wow. It looks like it worked too, huh? <laughs> oh, but the fight isn't over yet. We children of the Goxicomish light are hard at work to make sure Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff are our next two senators from Georgia come January. Children of the Goxicomish light. Oh, CGL. Ah, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a heck of a ride. Oh, plus most folks don't think twice when they catch us chatting the way we do because, well, you know, corporate language sounds so much like cult language these days anyway. I just say that CGL is a, a thought leader with followers across multiple platforms and in response... 
I'm often told I'm a good human, which is the sort of thing you'd say if you believed we were only temporarily trapped in flesh form until the day we're liberated by the right honorable and invincible Goxicom, he who will live for millennia in the eyes of the chosen, isn't it? So, uh, <laughs> my question is, would you like to join us for some virtual phone banking for the Georgia runoff, Sally and Matt? Oh, uh, probably? You know that feeling when you and your spouse stare into the eager faces of a group of cult members over video chat and realize that they've somehow been weaponized for good to become a progressive force, and then your wife has no choice but to give it up for the cult leader? Joanne, may I just say what you're doing is incredible? You're leading CGL into the future. Oh, I'm just doing my little part and proudly leaning into a folksy, non-threatening persona in order to make sure that nobody stands in my way on the road to turning this unhinged bunch of cultists into a progressive force for change. Oh, the cookies are done. And what do we say when the cookies are done, fellas? My body, my rights. My body, my rights. Very good. Now, what's the game plan for the rest of the afternoon? Well, Harry's going to distribute N95 masks at a homeless shelter. And I'm going to keep studying for the bar exam. By becoming an immigration lawyer, I'll be more prepared to join the battle to abolish ICE, which is what Joanne says Goxicom wants for me. I'm a successful entrepreneur. Shh. <laughs> oh, and who would suspect me? Joanne Watchmore, someone almost always discounted by sexism and ageism as a leader capable of giving these folks something to live for and fighting the good fight with an army of fake alien warlord worshippers at my back. Oh, I gotta grab those cookies. I'm happy we didn't hang up just because this is a cult. Um, hey guys, Sally and Matt, I wanted to know, while we're waiting for Joanne to come back to the call, um... So have you guys ever considered, I don't know, moving into a cryogenic chamber under potentate Clifford's mom's house in Albuquerque? I mean, look, just until 2039, you know, when Goxicom's fleet just lands at Disney World. That's... Okay, we can probably hang up now, though. Yeah, now's the time to say goodbye. Harry says bye. Next up, I will be continuing the conversation around corporate innovation with a leader currently working to make change from inside one of the biggest financial services companies there is. After the break. What does it mean to transform an institution? To innovate so that you are propelling your business forward, no matter how large or how, well, slow? How can you get an ocean liner, in other words, to act more like a speedboat? And what's the difference between a lab and an accelerator, a product studio and just a part of the business that invests in new technology? To answer these questions and more, I did what I always do in this part of the show. I sat down to talk with an expert. All right, everybody. I am really excited for my conversation today with Alex Trotta, the manager for product development and innovation for MasterCard Labs. Alex, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you for having me, Matt. Excited to be here. What does it mean to you to innovate at MasterCard? What does it mean to be a corporate innovator? <laughs> I feel like that's kind of just even a a broader question. I, I, I might say, might not even speak to just MasterCard in general. Uh, or MasterCard specifically, I think I would speak more generally that it's pushing and uh, it's pushing against uh, you know a boulder coming on top of you, uh, you know, up a mountain. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where you're constantly in a place where it's almost like you're a virus attacking a larger body that it doesn't necessarily want what you're 
what you're trying to do for it. Um, but it's also one of those things that's necessary. And so, for example, when I was at Citibank, I was the vice president of open innovation. And what we were doing was trying to bridge the gap between startups externally and the products and business units internally. I take that lens and I look at MasterCard and I say, you know, in, in MasterCard, MasterCard was actually one of the early companies, I think, in recognizing that we needed this kind of separate organization to look towards the future. And that was called MasterCard Labs. That's the organization I'm a part of. And what it had early on was this startup program and really an R&D shop. And it's grown since then. Um, but really, I think on uh, what it ultimately is, is can we brand ourselves as an organization that's looking towards the future and building the future for our customers, not this old stodgy business. Now, what's the difference between a lab and an incubator? And what's the difference between what you were seeing at City in terms of developing entrepreneurial talent versus what you're doing now at MasterCard Labs? I'm going to say pick your poison, but it's not poison. It's just a, a phrase I want to use. It's, it's more so what do you want to get out of the group that you're building because you could call it a lab you could call it a studio you could call it an accelerator um and but do they but do they mean different things i mean some, i mean that's... sometimes they do but sometimes okay. they don't so an accelerator generally means you're bringing a subset of startups into your organization and you're helping them grow whether that's you're applying funding to them you're giving them mentorship you're pairing them up with different parts of your own organization. You're introducing them to your clients, as MasterCard many times does through our StartPath program. So that's generally an accelerator. Um, your, your lab or your studio is kind of your tinkering shop. You usually have a group of product development team uh, teams with engineering teams that generally work together and uh, are trying to figure out what's on the horizon. But also what you see come from these groups is a very uh, heavy marketing initiative too, where these big corporations can go to the street and say, here's why we're so great. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're working on. And usually you'll hear terms like blockchain and artificial intelligence and quantum computing thrown out in some amalgamation of it uh, to make it seem like we're hip, we're cool, and we're building what's what's next. Right. So there's sort of a few, there's like future jargon, right? Um, coupled with kind of innovation jargon, which I think pejoratively is often called innovation theater, right? <laughs> so how can you do, how can you tell what's the performance and what's real, um, and and can you tell if you're working within that organization or or is, it, or is it the job for an outsider to see what's real and what's what's theater? So I think I have a little bit of a unique perspective because it's not like I joined the, any of these innovation organizations from straight out of college or straight out of um, you know a consulting background or, or some other other type of background in that way. I work generally for startups for the early part of my career. And so going from an organization that's so small where every single thing I touched you have a dramatic impact on in such a short period of time to going to a much larger organization where the speed is just slower. It's just naturally that way. You have more people and more process and those things just elongate anything getting done. And so I think my perspective is, is that 
one, it's hard to tell from the outside looking in. And I think even as an insider, I look around sometimes at some of these bigger organizations and I say, some people think that we are really scratching the future where I may not always feel that same way because I've seen what it's like to be in an organization where an entire week at a startup can equal three months of work done at a larger corporation. And so all of that being said, it's the, the question of, is it something that's new to company that you're working on, new to industry or new to world? And I think you, I think you need to be honest with yourself and say, you're probably working on something, even in these innovation organizations, that are new to company or new to industry. You're probably not working on anything that's new to world. And that's okay. I love that those are the points, that, uh, the, the goals, I, get, I guess, against which you can measure something, right? Because the other way of looking at that is, should it be new to industry? Should it be uh, new to company? Should it be new to world? And as you said, if so much emphasis uh, within the realm of corporate innovation right now is seeking future technological advancements, quantum computing, blockchain, AI, then it seems like most managers then are trying to kind of reach all three they want to be at once new to industry, new to company, and new to world. But that's very nearly impossible and maybe not always the best strategy. Uh, what is a good strategy? What excites you uh, in terms of really achieving something? Pick one thing. When you're starting an innovation organization, pick one thing. Don't do everything. Don't start a VC arm and an accelerator and an R&D shop. Because I think the the quintessential, the one thing that most innovation organizations get wrong is that they start trying to attach a P&L to what should be and always should be an R&D organization. What do you get to do all day long for the MasterCard Experience Center? What are the MasterCard Experience Centers? So the MasterCard Experience Centers are physical spaces in different MasterCard offices around the world where we bring in both uh, external clients as well as internal employees to learn about the products and services that MasterCard offers. And because these are such highly visi uh, visible spaces and very interactive um, with touch screens and, and multiple screens interacting with each other, um, many teams who are even building the newer products that MasterCard is looking at, even some of the, the early products that we haven't gone public with or are still testing to learn if we should build it out further, are eager to get into these spaces. So what it allows me as the person who's responsible for both the content development that goes into these spaces as well as the physical look and feel of them is I get to see everything. I get to see all the different nooks and crannies of what we're working on or what we're trying to test out in the market. And right there in front of me, I get to see how clients react, how employees react, how different types of people react to the different products and solutions that we're offering. And so sometimes it might even be anecdotal, but I get to see how people are responding to the work that we're putting out or the work that's even just in development. I guess the question I'm always eager to ask someone in your position is what makes you hopeful? If if it is such a Sisyphean task, if you're constantly pushing this boulder up a hill when you want to innovate from within a large organization like this, what inspires you about the job? What inspires you about that role, the role of a corporate innovator? 
so this is going to sound a bit backwards, but it, it, it's almost like if it was a perfectly and well-oiled organization, there wouldn't be a need for these innovation divisions. There are opportunities to make things better. And I do think I recognize that, yes, going out and building a startup or a, a business that's going to change the world from the outside is uh, is incredible and enthralling. But also the opportunities of failure are also significantly higher. And I believe that for me, as an internal corporate innovator, I have the ability to affect change on a global scale, MasterCard being a global institution. And so I, that's what gets me excited about it is that you know every W I throw on the board gets me that much closer to affecting more change and really more people. And that's my belief. Uh, sometimes it's diluted. I will be honest. Sometimes I don't always believe it, but um, but that's kind of my why, at least right now. Live from tomorrow, we'll be back after a short break. As we come to the end of this long and terrible year, it's worth noting that in a post-COVID world, we are all sort of entrepreneurs. Whatever institution we're working within, we must help to, well, reimagine it. Because from our schools to our offices, from our living rooms to the halls of government, the future arrived way early. We'd been talking about a work-from-home world, a remote world, a time when we were all going to be able to do everything online. But so far, it's only managed to help those whose jobs are in the information economy. And it's been in reaction to the most overwhelming tragedy in generations. Headed into the holidays, I say that we take as much time as we can to think about what can be reimagined, where exactly we can all act as, well, innovators. I mean, I can imagine that in the not-so-distant future, by decade's end, we'll be looking back on all the institutions that were radically transformed in the wake of this seismic, unsettling year. And, well, classic holiday tales might even change a little to include innovation success stories. Moana, did you brush your teeth? I'm not tired. And besides, in the morning, it's Christmas. Hey, that's no excuse. Bedtime doesn't change even on Christmas Eve, young lady. Which means it's time to brush. Please, otherwise I'll just be up all night waiting for Santa. Honey. There are so many stories. You can probably remember at least one, can't you? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I can. Okay, this is actually a mommy original, and it uh, takes place just a couple of years ago. Twas the year 2026, and it had been revealed that Santa was no trick. In fact, all of it was real. The workshop and elves, life at the North Pole, he told all of us himself, got on TV and told. After so many hard years of sadness and grief, he thought it'd bring us all cheer, or at least some relief. And your father and I, we sometimes work together. And so the both of us agreed to fly, despite horrible weather. Oof, oof. You'd think four layers might keep you just a little bit warm at the North Pole, but nope. Wow, Sally, look around, we're here. We're in the workshop. That's the assembly line for toy making. Out back is the reindeer paddock and just there. Under the wreath, that's his office. What are you doing? Don't take a selfie, we're here for work. Okay, okay, you're right. Would you take the picture for me? I felt guilty upon arrival, for the North Pole was sinking. 
we'd endangered Santa's survival with all our consuming and not thinking. Plus, my family was in the big business of coal, much to my chagrin, and their work pierced my soul. I thought of how my last name was an anti-environmental brand, and I remembered the day that I met old Joanne. Hey, Matt, do you remember the first time we ever worked together like this? On one of these uh, corporate innovation consultations? Of course. We met that cult over Zoom. Yeah. Do you remember Joanne? Yeah. She transformed that whole thing into a progressive force. And she knew your last name right away and knew all about the Skalski coal business. He stared into the distance, but I still felt guilty. And I thought of when my family had Christmas, while your fathers ate fish that were gefilty. Sally! Matt! You made it! That we did, Bowens. Do you want to come up? He's just finishing a call. Sure. How was the flight? Great. And the reindeer taking us straight here from the airport was such a blast. Absolutely. We're grateful for the ride, Bowens. Donner, Blitzen, all of them. Very friendly throughout the whole journey. Oh, that's great. Chris will be glad to hear it. What do you think of the Yule Log video playing on that screen? It's cool. Uh, You couldn't get a real fire going in Santa's workshop? Well, as you know, we're in a cost-cutting environment. We do, and that's why we're here, right? Some of the most innovative ideas are born when the pressure's on. Chris! Matt and Sally are here. Can we come in? It's the busiest time of year, so... Oh, it's no problem. Plus, we're understaffed. We haven't had a new project manager in months. (sighs) Not since Frosty was fired for indecent exposure. Ho-ho! Welcome, welcome. Sally, Matt, it's so nice to see you in person. Come in, come in. You too, Mr. Kringle. Frankly, I can't believe we're really here. It's everything I imagined. Oh, you are too kind. And call me Chris. (laughs) Coco? Oh, I'm all right. Candy cane? I think we're... Cookies? Milk? Milk and cookies. Um, I'll have some celery for your offering. Oh, okay, that's usually for the... (laughs) for the deer, but... Hey, honey, do we have any celery sticks in the kitchen? I'll check. Also, may I just say, you look so handsome in that suit. (laughs) Oh, well, all credit goes to the fellow who picked it out. (laughs) Come back quick, huh? (laughs) Uh, Bowens has got me dressing so differently now. I mean, you should have seen the old suit. Scratched, torn, covered in chimney soot. Well, you look great. It's definitely a new day at the North Pole. That's right. That's right. That's exactly what this is. You know... When Mrs. Claus died, I was barely able to get out of bed for a year. And then Kendall, one of my top elves, you'll meet her, she says to me, you need to get back out there, Chris. Actually, Matt, if you have any bachelor friends, I know we're just meeting, no pressure, but she's really, really great, and we've got to get away from the bad boys. Kendall's got a thing for the bad boys, it's not a good look. And she, well, don't get me started on when she was involved with Frosty, that was toxic. We saw the warning signs even then, but anyway, I take her advice. I'm in New York. I'm trying to catch a cab, and who should I bump into? It's a great story. I remember when Bowens called us. He was also in mourning at the time. He'd been divorced from Roger for barely more than a year. It was electric. And everything since then has been all about reinvention. New love, new suit, new focus on life. What a great place to be. Well, Chris, let me just say that the way to truly transform your business from the inside out requires an innovation mindset, and it sounds like that's exactly what you have. So your background's in coal, right, Sally? I mean, that's what you were doing before launching your business? Uh, It was my family. Uh, I mean, no, I was never directly involved. In seemingly every conversation, from Joanne to Chris Kringle, coal and my reputation, the two would forever mingle. 
Because coal isn't the future, and we need to be thinking about the future. Now, you two have seen the numbers. Kids don't want toys anymore. It's all apps and computer games these days, and it's killing our manufacturing business. And where we used to make up for the declining revenue in the shipping, well, Amazon's eating our lunch. They ship more in bulk faster and more efficiently than we ever could. Plus, when they start letting their drones loose on the world, do you think anyone's still going to want packages delivered by St. Nick and his motley grew of reindeer? We need corporate innovation. I can't be totally replaced by e-commerce and... Well, if you'd like to get started, maybe I can start sharing some of my ideas? Yes, yes, of course. You're right. Please take it away. (laughs) And so I moved to the chalkboard, not forgetting the mission, and I proceeded to talk for an hour. And he listened. Chris heard all my ideas and respectfully held his tongue. He even got excited when I told him where he was wrong. So you're saying the world basically already makes a naughty and nice list, it's just on Twitter? Pretty much. Everybody has an opinion there. Mm. We'd outsource to social media for the lists that Chris makes, and for the reindeer, we'd need to design an app so people could rate. I'm imagining something that's basically like Lyft or any other ride-sharing app where we offer access to the reindeer, only around the holidays, it still needs to feel special, and a few dozen lucky users can play the part of Santa. Imagine being able to visit Grandma when she's all the way in Cleveland and you're in Hawaii, but instead of FaceTiming with her or sending her a gift in the mail, blah, you're one of the lucky riders of Slay.fun. Or something, maybe that, that URL is not good. And you'll be able to pop on down Grandma's chimney yourself. Okay, I like it. Plus, there are 12 days of Christmas, maybe the first five nights or so, those lucky users can take the sleigh out for themselves? Yeah, okay, and maybe the users are winners of a contest. And once they ride it, yeah, they should be able to rate us up to five stars. Plus, every rider is bound to take a bunch of selfies mid-flight and share them with their networks. I mean, who's not going to want to capture that magic moment when they're shooting across the night sky in Santa's sleigh? It's exciting. But it's not just about the publicity. It's about making the sleigh mean something more. It's no longer old or stodgy or exclusive. It's the people's sleigh. No, it wasn't just promotion, I repeated and smiled wide. It's about changing the notion of what you are from inside. The people's sleigh. You know, I like it. The sleigh's definitely key to leading this whole operation into the 21st century. I mean, Rudolph's always been a hit. Plus, his nose powers the whole thing. I don't know if people know that. It lights the way, right? Well, yes, that, but it's also an electric motor. I mean, like what you'd find on any electric vehicle, really. Seriously? Chris, that's incredible. You're saying that your sleigh runs on clean energy? Yeah? Is there an idea in there somewhere? An idea is but one thing. Implementing's another. Now that I'd gotten Chris thinking, he'd need all his corporate sisters and brothers. Talk to your employees. Pitch some of these ideas to them, sure, but also let them pitch to you. Do the folks around here, all the elves and snow people and polar bears and the nutcrackers and the gingerbread folk, do they they feel comfortable sharing their creativity with you? I, I hope so. Well, great. And if they don't, listen, it's never too late to let them know that, that they can share their creativity. Okay, okay, sure, yeah, but it sounds good. It sounds, uh, good. I saw in his eyes a fear of the future. Would his business die? There had to be a solution. Ah, I don't know, guys. Can we really reinvent ourselves up here at the North Pole? I mean, we're sinking, my friends, in more ways than one. I'm happy Bowen's introduced us, but I just, 
I don't, I don't know. I wonder what would have happened if he hadn't dated our friend. Would he have given up, just satined, welcomed an unfortunate end? I don't want to waste your time. Maybe this is the end of Santa's workshop. But we stand for something up here, you know? We stand for joy, for hope. Sure, we're a company, but we're, we're more than that. We are the embodiment of a purpose. We bring smiles to children all over the world. We reach those who aren't yet cynical, but who still believe. And that's when it hit me, the chance for transformation. But we had to move quickly. Change was our destination. Kids, those are your customers. Always have been, always will be. I mean, yeah, that uh, every, everyone, everyone knows that. Well, kids are still able to learn new things, aren't they? They haven't grown cynical or stubborn yet. Once they learn about the people slay, they'll never want to travel any other way, will they? Powered by hundreds of Rudolph-style noses, all of which will be built here in the workshop, we can produce dozens of sleighs, all powered by clean energy. They'll be the most environmentally conscious generation in history. I was on a roll, and I knew just what to do with the coal. On a wounded planet gone cuckoo, I had a brand new goal. And do you know how we'll decide which kids get coal in their stockings from now on? How? Whether or not they're climate deniers. Maybe I was looking for redemption, a chance to further the distance between a legacy I was loath to mention and my new thriving business. Sally, this is, this is a wonderful idea. Rather than declare he was finished and his career interrupted, Santa evolved out of the gifting business. Now it was a transportation company. The end. Wow. So that's how Santa's workshop transformed? And how he became a champion of clean energy and an eco-friendly manufacturer and saved the North Pole from sinking and now stands tall as a beacon to corporate innovators the whole world over? Indeed it was. Mom? Yes? That's a very weird story. I know, sweetie. And the rhyming, I mean, it was sort of all over the place. I want to brush your fucking teeth, honey, okay? Aww. Ho, 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 happy holidays. And she looked to the night sky, knowing the story was strange. But as long as we're alive, it's never too late to change. Hey, if Santa's workshop can innovate, can remake itself for the future, what's stopping the rest of us? We're off for the next two weeks and back with a new episode on January 7th. From all of us here at Live From Tomorrow, we want to say thank you for listening, thank you for your support, and we're excited to catch you all in the new year. Until then, stay safe, and happy holidays, folks. Wait, I... Do you hear that? On the roof? Merry Christmas! <laughs> Santa, take it away. Merry Christmas! Can you ship this? Halfway around the world to a desolate land where there's children have to be Christian. Please, Mr. Saint Nick, tell us you can. I'm still the father of Christmas. Each year, despite growing distance. Now tis the night before and keeping score. The North Pole outpaces every star. Not a present lost in the permafrost. As elves whiz widely by their jolly old boss. For each girl and boy with eyes alight. 
I shall not go quiet into this good night Because you can't buy magic You must believe So to all the parents With tricks up their sleeves Keep the wonder And the joy alive And help old Santa Take to the sky With their drones and iPhones There's less kids riding to the old man up north With every wooden gift swap or computer chip Rudolph's light strays farther off course I see wish lists for gone for shopping carts And it sure breaks this poor Santa's heart So notwithstanding the burning and backing of halls I'm incited and slighted in spite of it all I'm gonna ride the sleigh and seize the day Well come on with us, what do you say? Tonight is just the right time To prove who's really in their prime Because you can't buy magic You must believe So to all the parents With tricks up their sleeves Keep the wonder And the joy alive And help old Santa Take to the sky You must believe So to all the parents With tricks up their sleeves Keep the wonder And the joy alive To help old Santa Take to the sky To help Kris Kringle Take to the sky In help Oh Santa Take to the To the To the To the The sky And to all a good night. Well, that's our show, folks. I want to thank our guest, Alex Trotta. I want to thank our cast, Max Azulay, Kelly Quinn, Ann Veal, and Matthew Walters-Bowens. Our composer, Ben Easton. The song in this episode is called To the Sky, written by Mark Levy, performed by Mark Levy and Trevor Brown, and mixed by Trevor Brown. I am your writer and host, Matt Hooper. Please check us out on Instagram at livefromtomorrowofficial, and we will be taking the next two weeks off before coming back with fresher, 
funnier, and even more insightful episodes beginning January 7th. In the meantime, stay safe and happy holidays. Thanks, folks.